welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Mike Peck. Mike is the associate head coach for the UTSA men's basketball team. We sit down with Mike to talk about basketball, leadership, coaching, what influences him, and also about life. I think you'll really enjoy this podcast, so sit back, listen, and I hope this inspires you to become the coach or leader that you want to become. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Fantastic, beautiful day outside. Uh, man, just excited for everything that's happening. Great time of the year. Live period's about to pop off. Uh, you know, everybody's just worked up and excited about uh, what the future holds, especially for your program here at UTSA. Uh, and just kind of going down the line of where you've been, what you've done. Uh, seeing that you start off as a head coach, as a JV coach at St. Mary Cathedral School. I think back to the days of when I started coaching and, and just humble beginnings, stuff like that. For yourself, it's even more magnified by where you're at now. Uh, as far as an associate head coach at UTSA, a uh, program that's on the rise. How, how, how are you feeling right now about you guys next year and, and as far as just the progressiveness of what of what's happened. Well, we feel really good about it. You know, um, three years ago, you know, we knew what we were taking over a, a rebuild. You know, a program that had been a little bit dormant, um, so to speak. And you know, we knew that the roster was our number one priority. We had to, you know, we had to fill a roster. We had to get talent. We had to get players. Um, so. We, you know, put our heads down and just got to work, um, and and that's what we did. And obviously implemented uh, our system and and the blueprint that Coach Henson um, is 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 so accustomed to with you know his 30 plus years with Coach Kruger. Um, it's a blueprint that works and it's proven uh, over time. So, um, you know, we got the right pieces, uh, and we continue to add the right pieces each year. And we feel really good about this class that we just brought in this week that we signed and. Um, you know, a couple more spots to fill, and uh, we think we're, uh, you know, we're, we think we got a chance to, uh, again, take that next, next, that, that next step in our program. In a program like yours, in a day-to-day operational functioning like yours, uh, what motivates you every day to do that? Well, I think you know, one, obviously, the love of the game. You know, um, having played the game. You know, I, I was a Division II player, um, and, and, you know, ever since I was 10, I fell in love with the game, played all the way up through college and finished, but, you know, I, I knew and realized I wasn't a professional-level player. Um, so I knew the next thing to being able to stay with the game or in the game was to coach. And so I, I, I did that 22 years ago and, and have never looked back, never regretted it, and feel like I've never worked a day in my life uh, I've been fortunate and blessed in that regard so um, that that's the number one thing is is your love and your passion for obviously the game but then also you know like what goes with that hand in hand is competing you know the, the love of competition um, but also you know um, you know building you know building something you know people talk about leaving a legacy you know John Wooden left a legacy you know and that's I think that you know, I think that's inherent in a lot of coaches is, is that feeling of, you know, how do you want to be remembered, you know, and, and you want to leave a legacy. You know, the uh, old Meyer saying is, you know, leave it better than when you, when you found it, you know. And, and that's kind of, I think, uh, the way we approach things, maybe without saying it every day, is, you know, we just, we just want this to be the best it can possibly be that we can possibly do. And I think you do that, you know, it's one it's a collaborative effort. You know, it's, it's we, it's ours and it's us. It, 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 our program, you'll never hear any of us coaches, Coach Henson especially, it, it, you know, I this or my guys or me, you know, 
uh, when things don't go well and we maybe lose, yeah, then we'll put that, you know, he may put that on himself. Um, but when there's success and things are going well, it's all about the program, us, ours, we, you know, um, our guys, what we like to do, you know, that, that, that type of uh, approach and outlook and perspective. Um, but it's, it's a collaborative effort, doing it together, doing it as a group, um, serving, you know, that servant leadership uh, saying is, you know, we truly are trying to make our guys better, not just on the floor and as a team, but as individuals, as students, as citizens, as future husbands, future employees, you know, future bosses, future coaches maybe, what have you. But that's, that's the ultimate objective and the ultimate goal. You know, I think to myself what influences me to do what I do in the sense that I've got a family, uh, you know, I, my parents, I love them, my brother, my sister, you know, just people in my life, uh, the kids that I serve, uh, that influences me to do different things. And being that this is a podcast with leaders, coaches, uh, influencers, what influences you personally and professionally as you go through your day-to-day? You know, I think there's, you know, I, I'm from a middle-class family. Uh, you know, mom and dad were, you know, married for 24, 25 years before they passed. And, um, you know, dad went to work every day. And, um, you know, you just saw it was very, it was a very typical traditional family. You know, we ate dinner at five or six o'clock together around the table. I guess they don't, people don't do that anymore, but nonetheless, that's what we did. And, um, but for, but for me, it was always, um, you know, I had a great childhood growing up, you know, great memories, wouldn't have traded it for the world. Didn't have everything though, but, you know, had everything we needed, you know, maybe not everything we wanted all the time, big difference between need and want. Um, and my, my parents, you know, academics and school was very important. Uh, you know, committing commitment was was important. So we're gonna play a sport, you know, play it, and stick with it. Um, they they were supporters and fans. They weren't never, you know, in the coach's ear. You know, they they, they my, their whole thing was well, just get better. You know, work a little harder and get better. Um, so I always had an internal uh, burning to for a sense of achieving. You know, you want to achieve, and they use the term overachieve. You know, that's kind of the way I, I think I've always approached everything in my life, whether it be academics. I always wanted to, to, to kind of be the best. I wanted to, I didn't want to be average. I didn't want to, I wanted to stand out. And as I got older, I think part of that reason was, you know, I took great joy in, in making my parents proud. You know, that was, that was a big deal to me. You know, I wasn't, a, I'm not a real extrovert, pound, pound my chest guy, you know, all about me more of an introvert, a little bit quiet on the quiet side. But I liked, you know, I, I wanted my, my work and my actions to speak for themselves. And, and, and I was always about achievement in, 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 in doing the best and being the best that I could be. One, because I, I got a sense of, of joy in, in making my parents proud. Going to that point, when I look at where you've been, and I see the success you had at Finley Prep. Record was like 150-something and eight. I mean, as a high school coach myself, I'm thinking eight losses in that many years and 100-something wins. Man, it's a good life. I also look at, okay, you were a coach with the Idaho Stampede in the D League, uh, now the G League, uh, summer coach with the Trailblazers. When you say make your parents proud, when you say achievement, being the best, getting better every day, do you feel like you've done that? I do, and and here's here's how I would answer that is, I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. You know, if you go back, like a lot of young coaches that get into it, you know, they, at the age of 25, 26, when I first started getting into it, I was ready to be a head coach. Everybody's ready to be a head coach at the time. But you know what? There's a huge difference in being ready versus being prepared. I've always been, my approach has always been, you know, I'd much rather be prepared for a situation 
or an opportunity than just be ready because you know and, and that's you know every day is a preparation for what's next um, you know you're learning every day you're growing every day you're encountering something new maybe or different every day and it it just that experience helps prepare you for what tomorrow might bring or next week might bring or next year might bring so for me it, it it's it's you know I've always looked at my path as a path of preparation in in in, in what what's next um, you know experience somebody just said a good friend of mine Kevin Sutton who's at Rhode Island who was, used to be the head coach at Mount Verde he always says it's some of the young guys managers and GAs and stuff and I love it he said you can't Google experience and I just thought that was fantastic so um, I, I, that's that's kind of the way. I do it because I've seen we've all seen guys that have that have maybe uh, had an opportunity that they weren't fully prepared for, and they've stumbled and fallen or have gotten tripped up. Not to say that that's not ever going to happen, but I just know it, it's like going into a test. I'm going to study every chapter. I'm not going to skip chapter seven and eight just because I think ah, I didn't like it or I didn't get it or we didn't cover it that much because there might be six questions on that test that cover chapter seven and eight and six questions is the difference between an A and a C. So I just, I just believe in preparation, uh, preparing, you know, no stone unturned and making sure that you're as prepared as you possibly can be and you've done everything in your power to do that for whatever situation is in front of you. It's like the old saying, uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Exactly. There's there's two sides. You're doing something, whether you're doing nothing, something's happening. And I think that's uh, something that myself as a coach I've learned is the details are in the preparation, the, the wars are within the preparation. Because we as coaches, we don't shoot the ball. We don't score baskets. We don't blood, sweat, and tears don't come from us. Maybe tears, but yes. the blood and the sweat that comes from the guys who actually do the work. So I think, yeah, the preparation is really, really key. Has there ever been a, a time that you've encountered someone or something that really discouraged you and almost derailed you from becoming uh, who you wanted to be as far as a coach? Uh, I don't know if I would say discouraged me. You know, I would, I would say probably... Uh, get, provided a little more fuel for my motivation to 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 succeed and to uh, go on. Um, you know, there there have been a couple situations, individuals, and even circumstances. You know that 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 are somewhat discouraging or disheartening. But you know, like I said, you know, my upbringing and my background is you know what just work just you know keep working you know the kids talk about the process the grind you know anything you know it, it, nothing's going to be easy you know you can't you can't if it were then every single person that we see on a daily basis would be successful and and would have everything that they want or need and and that's just not the way life is life is you know you're going to have to work and you're going to have to you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to, um, you know, endure some challenges and some some strain. And that's what makes, you know, once you do achieve a certain level of success, that's what makes it so much more rewarding is knowing what you've gone through to get to that point. And, you know, so yes, there has been there have been definitely incidents that that have come up and situations that have come up that have been discouraging, and. I'm not delusional to think that there won't continue to be because, you know, what I always like I tell our guys is that's guess what that is. That's life, you know. And um, so I just think it gives me more motivation. But it's it's at those times that you rely on. I've, I rely on, number one, my relationship with God. Uh, I spend a little more time in prayer with him and also with my family and those in my close circle. That when, when situations like that arise, that's immediately those are the those are the three uh, groups or individuals, people, 
that I that I gravitate towards and lean on the most. What does leadership look like to you? I, I think a lot of it comes down to your core values and your upbringing has a lot to do with it. You know, um, I'm a big Don Meyer guy. Uh, you know, I learned a lot. You know, my college coach was was very close to Coach Meyer and um, used to spend a lot of time at different clinics that he did. And, um, you know, I, I used to write Coach Meyer weekly, and he was fantastic. But he always, I, I think he just had some great quotes and sayings that made sense. And one of the things that he always used to say is, you got to be who you are because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. And, nice. you know, he used to say, you know, as a coach, young coach, you can take things from other coaches, but at the end of the day, you can't be that guy or that guy. You're you, so you got to make it fit you. And, you know, you always see some coaches that, you know, try to act in a different way in certain situations, and you can, you know, look, players are smart. They're, they can see through all of that stuff. Yeah. They know what you know and what you don't know right. when you step between the lines. Right. So I think just you've got to be who you are. You've got to... But I think a lot of that obviously has to do with your core values. What are your core values? You know, everybody talks about your program and, hey, what are your non-negotiables for your program? What is, you know, what is your program? If somebody steps in and watches a practice, what are the three things that they're going to take away that they know that you emphasize daily? It's the same thing as you as a person. You know, it, it shouldn't take long to sit down and have a genuine conversation with someone and figure out what that person is about in terms of their core values. So I think a lot of that leadership... It starts there, and then also I think as you develop in the profession who you've who your mentors are, who you've learned under, you know, and, and when I say learned under, you know, who you emulate, but what's equally as important when you learn from somebody what to do, what is sometimes is what not to do. Um, that's as value that can be as valuable as what to do. I've been very fortunate in my in my career, in my path, to, to have been with some f- unbelievably fantastic, high-character individuals. And, um, you know, I, I'm very blessed in that regard. So I, on top of them being fantastic, phenomenal coaches. So I got, all, I got the whole package in terms of my mentors. You know, right. Those guys are, 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 have been tremendous in my life. So you talk about values, your core values. I know one of the values my dad taught me, and it, it goes along the lines of what you were talking about as far as learning from people. He says there's some people that really know what they're doing and you can learn from them. And there's some people that are just completely off their rocker and have no clue of what's happening. And you can learn from them as well, too. And I said, well, what do you mean learn, Dad? He says, well, you learn what not to do. You learn how not to act. You learn how not to function or be dysfunctional in, in terms of really what it is. I think when we look at value as far as players and we talk about your core values uh, for, t- for the team as a whole, Coach, what would you say as far as team success and, and valuing that and saying what does that look like? Uh, what is team success to you? I, I think a, uh, a key ingredient for team success is one of the things at the very top is sacrifice. It, uh, just by saying the word team, it, it's, 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 that word alone means it's together. It's not one individual. It's not one person, whether it's a football team, a basketball team, a baseball team, or whatever sport you have that's not an individual sport. <clears throat> it's a group of individuals, and they're working toward get together toward a common goal. Um, a phrase that my mentor, one of my mentors always used, unity of purpose. You know, it's a togetherness. It's like I use the word collaborative. We're, you know, we're in this together. We're trying to do the same thing. So in order for you to do that, you know, my days at Finley, it was a great example. You know, we would have uh, multiple, multiple McDonald's All-Americans on one team. You know, Tristan Thompson could have averaged 30 points a game for us, you know, easily. But that's not what our team needed and I knew that that wasn't going to work in order for us to go undefeated and win a national championship he was going to have to sacrifice some of that because guess what 
we had other pretty darn good players around him. So there needed to be a little more even distribution of shoots, shots and, and shooting. Um, and what that forced those guys to do and to understand at a young age is to be efficient. Instead of getting being a volume scorer and getting 21 shots to get my 23 points, I need to get 14 points on seven shots or eight shots because I've got four guys around me that they need the same. So I think sacrifice is huge. You've got to you got to give up a little bit of yourself for the betterment and and for the good of the whole. And um, you know I think I think that's I think that to me is is it, it that takes a mature individual it takes a secure individual and, and it takes one that that has an understanding and sees the bigger picture um, and, and, and can see you know down the road what's going to ultimately be best for them another core value i think within team success from my perspective would be communication how important is communication within the confines of what you do and what you've done in the past to find success or, or achieve success, I should say? It's everything. Uh, communication is, is critical to any organization, whether you're in, in, in sport or business or what have you. You can't succeed. You can't function without it. Um, in communication, you know, there's, it's not just, you know, uh, me, it's not necessarily just verbal communication. You know, there's nonverbal communication. You know, they talk about body language now with kids and stuff. That's, that's huge because that, that, that can give off uh, signs of, of, of a kid that's receptive to coaching or not receptive to coaching. Um, so, you know, as coaches, you got to be, you got to have an awareness of that. You got to be able to read that, especially with your players. Um, I think that's important day to day, especially to go through the season, the length of the seasons that we do. Um, but but communication is 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 not just critical for success, but just to function. You know, there's communication on on, on in winning teams and losing teams, and it's it's critical for both. Just because you need to get through each day, and without communication, there's just no way you can do it. And then you gotta. You know, communication, you, you got to figure out, it, it's, you know, it's like anything, a teacher. I've got to find a way to get the information through to you. You know, it, it's, it's, you, you've, it's not just what you hear that's important. It's what you understand. And it might be different the way I say it to you than the way I say it to Johnny. And I've got to figure that out as a coach. You know, that's, that's on me. And um, because at the end of the day, I just need you to understand what we're trying to convey and what we're trying to get across. Um, it's, it's not what I know. It's what I can, how I can share with you what I know so that right. you can know. Right. And that's, there's, that, 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 that can be challenging because with, if you have, you know, at our level 13 to 16 players, none of them are the same and, right. and, and there might be a couple of them that kind of you know can 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 learn in a similar fashion but there's you might have 13 different ways that you need to communicate certain things to to each guy right. and and that becomes a, a a task in and of itself day to day as you move through the season staying on the subject of communication because i deal so so much with uh uh, college prospects, kids still in high school, even some of my guys that were, were junior college players. Uh, how important is communication with a prospect back and forth to you as a, as a coach and, and them understanding how important when they say I commit, how important that is and, and what that actually means because – you're explaining to me your day-to-day, -day, everything you put into it, and there's a lot of stuff that you put into it, not just yourself, but the whole coaching staff, the program. The program's behind you. There's, there's, there's jobs at stake. There's, you know, food on the table that's at stake. When they say I commit to your program, 
What do they need to know about the importance of the communication back and forth? What do they need to know about the magnitude of the decision to commit and to say, yes, I will be a part of your program? Well, for, for us, the way we do things is that's, that's like we, we take that as law or binding. You know, if we, if we give you our word, that's what it is. We're not, we're not going to waver in that regard. So we kind of expect the same in return if, if there's a relationship. But we also know in today's age, we're not so delusional that we don't, we know that every situation out there is pretty fluid and, and, and there's wavering that goes on. And, you know, unfortunately that happens. Um, and we're, we're aware and, and we acknowledge the fact that that could happen with anybody that we might deal with. That's why we spend a lot of time getting to know individuals, um, not just within our program, but ones that we're recruiting. We try to really get to know them and the, and the people in their circle um, so that we can, you know, and then obviously following them on social media and stuff, you get a feel for guys and kind of guys that are attention seekers, guys yeah. that need that. You know, I, I need that a little more insecure, that, that kind of need that affirmation yeah. and, and that constant attention. And those are signs. Those are flags that we say, you know, we, we're not shocked if it goes the other way. Right. Um, but, you know, it, we understand that that's, that's the reality of it. Right. So you talk about social media. And, uh, you know, I stay on my, my player's social media, not for the sake of anything other than to say, hey, be careful what you're portraying yourself to be, who you're, who you're, uh, they say, well, if I retweet something, that doesn't mean that I'm uh, necessarily endorsing that. Well, no, you are. You definitely are. And uh, how, how, I guess, I've heard stories of coaches saying we dropped a kid because of social media. Is that something that's real or is that just kind of something that coaches say to keep kids on their P's and Q's? Oh, I think it happens. Uh, you know, I, I really do. I think, um, interesting, uh, my my cousin, my wife's cousin, actually, first cousin, is the offensive coordinator at Clemson. So we take our son to football camp there a couple years ago, and um, I spent a little time with him up in the offices kind of, you know, getting a tour and all that stuff. Well, at that level, obviously, they have their staff is so enormous, and they've got so many people helping in certain areas in, in one of those areas I can't remember the number but I want to say it was five or six individuals dedicated to tracking the social media wow. accounts of all their recruits wow. and the PSAs and then they get reports on those weekly wow. so the coaches and, and the, the position coaches the, the, the recruits that fall under their position they get those reports they can read those reports, and then when they meet, they talk, hey, recruiting, where do we stand with so-and-so? Well, yeah, we were in great shape, but then just last week I noticed, you know, he's, he's, he's tweeting out some of this SEC, you know, some of this SEC interest he's getting. He's, he's, he's done it multiple times, so, he, you know, I think he's kind of, I don't know if he's leaning, but we yeah. got to be careful. You know, so, yeah. and it's all that. It's all the good, the bad, the ugly, what have you. It, yeah. It's they're getting reports on it. So that stuff is at that level. I know firsthand it is monitored, and they're wow. watching it closely, and they do take it seriously. Wow. So vigilance is the key. Absolutely, on both sides. I would. Now we talked earlier about <laughs> sacrifice, and uh, I just want to ask you personally: What is it that you sacrifice to be in the position that you're in to coach? Because myself as a coach high school coach, uh, there's a lot of things that I sacrifice. And, and most people will never know it because they don't live with me. But the people that live with me, they know. And that's who I aim to please every day. Uh, so what are the things that you sacrifice to coach at this level? For me personally, you know, I think number one is, is my family. Uh, as you're well aware, my family is not here with me in San Antonio. They live in, they're still in Las Vegas. Um, so I try to get back as much as I can. Uh, coach, coach is great about that in terms of if I need to go, I, I, I go. But um, that's the, the number one in our profession. Um, you know, my wife's her career and her profession there. She gets a little nervous with our profession and the instability of it. 
right. in, in giving up her 17, 18-year profession um, with our kids. Right. She, it makes her a little nervous, which I can, you know, I completely understand. So this it's a decision that we've made together, obviously, and in, in, in one that we've 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 made the choice. It's not like it was forced on us. That so we don't we don't like living apart. Um, we, we we know ultimately it's not going to be this way forever. Right. Um, but for right now, that's 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 where we're at. So that's the number one thing I sacrifice is not having being with my family or having my family with me um, and what kind of coincides with that is time you know we all we all sacrifice our time in this profession um, you know I'm not trying to take a martyr's position for it but it, it's true you know if if something comes up from a recruiting standpoint oh so and so we got word on this kid that you know we've got an in with and he's going to be here we got to I got to jump on a plane and go I may not want to connect on two different flights and go to Podunk <laughs> and see or, or, or be where that kid. Is. But guess what? If 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 for our program and for the future of our program, for us to get involved and have a chance at this kid who we think could help us, that's what I've got to do. And so, sure enough, you get a lot of early wake up calls to catch six a.m. flights. Um, you know, to connect two different cities and then get in a rental car and drive another hour and a half. It's just part of the deal, you know. Every every assistant coach at, at this level will tell you they've we've, we've all done that. It's not like it's yeah. it's you know I'm the only one that's done it. it uh, but that's there is there's sacrifice in that, you know, because if you got to going to see a kid on a Monday, if you're off on Sunday, you're traveling on Sunday mm-hmm. to get there. So yeah. I think time, uh, obviously time, and, and, obvi- and my number one is you know sacrifice and uh, being with my family. So when I ask these questions, Coach, because I want those who are listening in to to really get a good view of what all goes into this because I've sat down with coaches in my gym before and they're talking about their schedule, where they're going to be at the next day, where they were at uh, during the live period, uh, Las Vegas, which probably isn't too much of a sacrifice sometimes for some guys, especially the single guys. Uh, but I think to myself, wow, could I ever step into something like that? And I'm just not sure. And I want people to understand, especially young people, if they're listening, to to see what goes into what y'all do, that it's not just you're sitting on some uh, holy habitation on a hill uh, just looking down saying, okay, I want you to play for me, and I want you to play for me, and, and I'm just going to wait here till the season starts to put my suit on and start yelling. Uh that there's a lot more that goes into it, and it's very intricate. And, and here again, like we talked about, uh, the, the the sacrifice, the time, the uh, the money that goes into this. I mean, what would you say on average is a Division One scholarship worth in dollars? Oh boy, great question. Um, per year or over the course of the four years? I would say over the course of four years. Nowadays, because I just saw something uh, last week. As a matter of fact. Um, I think the a scholarship or the cost to, to, to go to USC, I want to say, was close to $60,000 a year. Wow. And that just, and again, sometimes I'm, I'm look, I'm an 80s guy. I grew right. up in the 80s. I love yeah. the 80s songs. Right, I can name, right. come on the radio in two seconds, I can tell you yeah. who, the, who the band <laughs> or the artist is. And people tease me and say, you know, I think sometimes my reference point has, yeah. has never left the 80s. Right. You know, when I, sometimes I think, look at the price of gas, yeah. and I think back, ah, oh, I remember it was 99 cents a gallon. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, I remember when the Ivy Leagues back then, you yeah. know, were 60,000. Wow. And, you know, and now it's like USC. Oh, my gosh, you kidding me? But, you know, so there, if you did that, that's a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. And, you know, at, at UTSA, you know, it might be just over 20,000, so it's it's creeping up on $100,000 over the course of four years. That question comes up because we hear so much in the media about uh, student loans, student debt. And uh, and I think a lot of kids don't understand free school is free school. And that's not something to just say, well, at this level, I can't play there because I'm, I'm, D, I'm a D1 prospect. And it's D1 or bust. Well, you can be D1 or bust, but you're not going to have – if you go to this school and play here – you you know lower level than D1 NEIA D2 D3 whatever uh, even JUCO it's free school and you won't have any student debt you won't have any loans 
uh, coming out of college. And seeing as, seeing as it, that it's such a huge, huge item, even it's probably going to affect the political landscape even in 2020. It's going to be an issue. What, what, I guess, looking back on your career, even as a player, how valuable was the scholarship? How valuable was any, even partial any money that was given to you, how valuable was that? It, extremely valuable. To, to come out of school, out of, out of college, with little to no debt in terms of the student loans is huge because, you know, again, the amount that you pay back, it's not like it's a car note every month, right. but it's there. It's a fixture. And it, it's not just like, oh, in two years it's paid off. Not to say you can't. If you come into money and you can pay it off, great. But if you're just going to do what's minimum, the minimum amount required each month, that can go upwards of 10 years. Wow. And it just becomes something that you think, well, what is it? Well, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just what it is. It's a fixture. It's a guaranteed debt amount that I have to pay each month. So I can fix that into a, that's, that's coming whether I want it or not. Right. And to not have that, that's huge. Uh, Kind of want to get back into into who you are as a person. I know you have your wife, Terry, your daughter, Madison, your son, Gavin. Uh, how important is your time with them? Because my dad, my mom and my dad were, did a lot of uh, work aside from work. They did a lot of charitable things and we're busy doing the extra stuff. And it, and it set a great path for me and my family and, and in my mind that you donate, you give, you do the extra stuff. And how valuable is your time with them? Because my dad said, we may not have the quantity of time together, but when we're together, we're making it quality. How important is that to you? It's, it's everything, you know, like, especially with our situation, you know, when I get back there, you know, probably only for a few days. So it's kind of like we got to make the most of it. So, it, you know, we, in, in today's so different, you know, my wife and her position as a director of marketing for the Fox affiliate back there and in, in, in here in terms of coaching and recruiting, never, you're never off. You're never right. off because you're met. You're, you're, there's emails and text messages that, you know, you can say, well, I'm going to shut my phone there's something that comes up that you're going to have to respond to or you're going to have to address. And that's for both of us. But when we are together, we try not to, you know, now that our son's playing 10U basketball, it's, it's a lot of stuff revolves around his schedule. Right. You know, we're going to his games and his practices. But at the end of the day, we don't, you know, we don't, I don't have a lot of outside interests. Right. Um, you know, a little bit of maybe a boring person, but I'm glad I'm that way just because right. then we can make the most of our time together. So it is, it's everything. We, we you know, just just being in the house, right. you know, it, it doesn't always have to have, we don't always have to have an event or something going on. We yeah. just kind of say, well, what do you guys want to do? Right. And then an hour later, we're asking the same question. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's typical family. You yeah. Know, you know, well, yeah. Let's go eat. What do you guys want to eat? nobody steps up and says it because I'm like, well, wherever you want to go. And then they'll say right. something and we shoot it down. So it takes us an hour to figure that out. And we end up, <laughs> we end up going to the same place all the time anyway. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's a normal family. Yeah. yeah but it's but good. It's every, the time we do have together is everything. And we do, we try to kind of, I guess you could say we sequester ourselves in terms of just being just us. Okay. Um, we don't, we don't, we don't have a lot of, uh, you know, we don't go out and, and do a lot of with other people right, and stuff right, just right. because we know our time is, is is valuable. But we do have a small circle of people that we consider, we do really consider family that right. we do, uh, we'll, we'll maybe go have lunch with or have come over to the house. Talking about your family, your daughter in particular, I saw a story the other day on, on, on TV, the lo- one of the local stations did a, did a story. Your guys here at UTSA came out, supported a cause, a charitable cause. Can you explain to me kind of what that cause was and, and, and how it affects you personally and, and impacts your life as far as your daughter? 
Yeah, my, uh, our daughter Maddie was born with a uh, genetic disorder uh, called 18Q minus, and the eight, her 18th chromosome in her genetic makeup, one of the arms in that chromosome is partially deleted um, throughout her genetic code. And so with that, depending on the size of the deletion, comes a whole host of issues. You know, she's 100% um, dependent on adult care. She's nonverbal, wheelchair, she has a feeding tube. Um, you know, she's not, she, she can't do anything for herself right. in terms of her daily uh, needs. Um, but nonetheless, she can see, she can hear, she laughs, she makes eye contact, she responds, she's well, she's, we always say, she's, she's way more tuned in and way more aware of things than everybody and anybody realizes, right. you know, so in that regard, it's, it's, it's been a blessing because, uh, she, she's, she's been, she's been such a, um, a gift to us. Um, we, we're, we're very fortunate that, uh, that, uh, God picked us to have, to be her parents right, yeah. because, you know, without having ever taken a step or said a word, she's taught me way more about life than I'll ever be able to teach her or right. our son. So that's huge, um, coach. Yeah, it's a, it's a blessing in that regard. Um, so the the chromosome 18 registry, which is based here in San Antonio, it's funny how things come full circle. Uh, eight, she's 20 now. 18 years ago, you know, she was diagnosed at 10 days after birth, and shortly after that, we were put in touch with the chromosome. 18 registry, um, which is based in San Antonio. So we used to be, we were part of a study. She was part of a study where she was put on growth hormone. So we'd have to come back here like once a year okay. just to get, go through some more tests and, and some more sit downs and interviews and stuff. And, uh, it's funny how <clears throat> when we, when we took, when we got this job three years ago, it's in San Antonio yeah. Yeah. where it all kind of started with her. So that registry has grown since then. At that time, I think there was like 300 families globally that were affected or part of it. Now there's over 3,000. Wow. So it's um, Janine Code, Dr. Cody um, started it, and you know, because her daughter Liz has uh, is affected with the uh, 18Q minus as well. Um, and so through her passion and her drive, and she made it. You know, she attacked it. I always like to say she attacked it because she's aggressive, yeah. and she's a super brilliant individual, and um, but a very compassionate person. And um, we were fortunate to be put uh, connected with them. Yeah. Because that group is, you know, early on especially was great. Just to just to, um, you know, be able to be with in a group of people that are going through things that are similar. Yeah. As Maddie's gotten older, her health has been a lot more a lot better. And we've kind of gotten busy with life yeah. that we haven't been as close to the group and haven't been able to come back, you know, like we would like to just because of schedules and such. But um, nonetheless, uh, you know, our, our team going out there and doing that, you know, Coach Henson was great about, uh, um, you know, supporting that cause and getting our team to do that day of service with them. And uh, it was it was great. You know, I, I keep in touch with those guys you know, from time to time, as much as our schedules allow, because yeah. they're as busy as we are. So yeah. um, it's it's been it's been great, and knowing that they're right here to me gives me a little peace of mind. That, fantastic. Um, I can always I can always pick up the phone and call. Right. I mean, it's like we talked about earlier about experience, uh, but having that experience and that, that knowledge, and also being able not to just have empathy or sympathy, but for people that have walked or are walking the path that you're walking to be able to connect with them and provide a sense of maybe not just comfort, but also the relation and saying, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been through that. I, I noticed that. Do you ever feel that way? You ever? And I think that's, that's so important when you're navigating through life and you know, here again, doing life with people. Oh yeah. So it's I, fantastic. I used to, uh, we used to take a couple of our teams at Finley you know, because guys go through, seasons are long and they're hard, and I understand that. But at the same time, you know, every every team is going through that 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 those dog days, quote yeah. unquote. And you can't just not do anything. Right. You still have to practice, and you still have to. Now you don't practice as long, or maybe quite as intense, but you still have to do something. So when guys were kind of going that and feeling themselves a little bit and feeling sorry for themselves, you know, we'd always 
I'd say, you know, get in the van. We're going to go over to my daughter's school. And we're going to walk around, take a look, and get a little tour. Because her school is, is a special needs school where it's 120-some students that are severe special needs, like Maddie. So we did. We'd walk around, and after we were done, we'd visit with the principal to take us around. And we'd look into the classrooms and talk to the teachers, and we'd finish come back to the van. I'd say, okay, now, let's, let's talk about our problems and issues. What, 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 what do we got going here that we feel is just yeah. we can't overcome or that is really just kind of really hard right now? And, and they'd get it. Yeah, they'd perspective. It, you know, perspective. exactly. So that was always, um, always something that I felt was important. And, uh, you know, it, you know it's, it's life. Life, there's going to be adversity and there's going to be challenges. Yeah. You know, I, I, one of the other events that happened in my life my senior, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, my senior year in college, both my parents were killed in a car accident. Wow. And almost, it was a, it was a very difficult time. I have a sister, we're one year older, so we're very close. Um, but I, I, I'm going to be honest, and I think a lot of it has to do with my faith right. in, in, in God, is almost immediately, my, my perspective on that situation mm-hmm. was as sad as I was, I was grateful and thankful that I got the 22 years out of them that right. I did. Because yeah. had that happened when I was 13 or 14, I don't know if yeah. I'd have made it. You yeah. know, I don't know if I'd have been able to get... But I was about to graduate college and become an adult officially yeah. with a degree <laughs> and get you know start your life. Right, right. I had everything. Yeah. They, you know, in terms of being raised. In, in They're prepared values. you. Yeah, yeah so... That was always kind of my perspective, and that's wow. honestly the that's way huge. I felt. That's huge, and, Coach. And, and one of the things I learned through that is it was literally the day after the funeral. I remember I was eating in a restaurant with a friend, or my sister, and I think it was her, her now husband. I remember looking out at the street, and there were cars going and people walking on the sidewalk. And I said to myself, I said, did these people not realize what just happened? Yeah. And then I thought to myself, you know what? It doesn't matter. The, yeah. the world is not going to stop. No. It's not going to stop for my situation. You know, I could curl up into a ball in the corner, but guess what? Everything else going on in life is going to continue to go on with yeah. or without me. So you really don't have a choice. Yeah. You got to get up. You got to put those boots on and you got to, you got to keep going. You yeah. got to keep going. And that's, that's like anything, you know, when you're down 15 in a game, yeah. you know, you can quit if you want. Yeah. It ain't going to get any better. Yeah. Or you can try and push a little harder and see what happens. Yeah. And that's, I just think that that, for me, that's just the only way I've ever known how to do it. Right. That's, Coach, I, I didn't know that about you before. And, wow, that is huge. It's something that I think really galvanizes you once you have that perspective. And then from that point on, there's pretty much not a whole lot of things that can come into your your sphere and really affect you and, and bring you down. What do you want when it's all said and done? Maybe not life, but coaching, and maybe even life. What would you want to be said of you? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. You know, I usually don't get stumped by a question just because <laughs> I think transparency and honesty have always been things that I've found it's easy to talk and speak and answer right. and respond when you're that way. That's one, to be honest with you, you know, that I, you know, again, that, that I, again, I'm wired in such a way that it's about achievement. Right. You know, so to be the best. Right. For them, he was the best brother. Yeah. He was the best husband. He was the best dad. Right. He was the best coach that I ever had. Right. You know, I, I think one thing I, I, I do remember that stood out to me that, that always told me and showed me, my parents were very low-key. Like I said, very middle class, blue collar. My mom was, my, they met in the service. My mom's Korean. My dad, they met, <clears throat> dad brought her over and they got married and had us kids and we lived in a, a very... Gaylord, Michigan, which is a small community, very blue collar, um, and so we didn't we didn't 
they didn't do a lot. My dad right. weren't real social in, in, in that regard. It was just kind of our family and cousins, immediate cousins and stuff. But it's a low key. Um, you know, he was born and raised there and went to high school there and ended up working there and, you know, all that. And, and, but I think the thing that made the biggest impact on me was when they passed and their funeral, they couldn't have it, the ceremony at the funeral home. The number of people that attended the funeral that came through to me was, it was unbelievable. And wow. to me, that showed me that, you know, the, the impact that they had on the community. Mm. And they, they knew m- more people than I grasped. Right. And obviously, they had a greater impact on way more people than I think my mom and dad both would have realized. Really? So they, to me, that was always a testament to their... To, to what people thought of them, the amount of respect right. that people had for them and that the community had for them. So I think like anything, I think respect is very important to me. Um, you know, winning, everybody's going to win, everybody's going to lose. So. Right. But, you know, your integrity and the, and, and the level of respect that people have for you and, and how they hold you and, you know, you know how they see you and view yeah. you, and how they see and view your career and your yeah. life is like. To me, that's that's what I would want to be remembered is is your respect and your integrity. Coach, I appreciate your time. I uh, be honest with you, I followed your career when you were at Finley Prep. Remember the first time I got a text from you, I freaked out because it said Mike Peck on there because I obviously didn't have your number saved. And I was just, you know, as a, you know, a guy who I didn't at the time wasn't in this, you know, world of communicating with coaches as much as I am now. Uh, I was just floored. I was like, Mike Peck, wow. Like, not the, not that I felt like I had made it, but it was one of those moments where, man, this is, this is what I'm doing is actually, like you said, I'm talking about impact. You're like, wow, I'm having an impact. This guy knows, has my number? Wow. Uh, I just appreciate your time. I appreciate your story. I appreciate your life and what you what you've what you're doing, what you've done, and uh, and so I thank you for being on the podcast. I and appreciate so, it. So good luck to you down the stretch in recruiting uh, your upcoming season and with your family as well. That you, I pray that you get more time with them, and I pray that you get uh, all the things in order for your life that you feel like you need and. Uh, So thank you, and God bless you, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it.